0: No, you're good. I'm 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 starting it though. It's live. Just Let's even. roll. Um, well, everyone, welcome to the first uh young old heads podcast. I'm here with a uh, cards Max, aka Max, comma cards. Um, we're here. I'm Tommy, aka TV Sports Cards. We're here to talk about cards. Um, it's our first one of these, but uh, Max, you wanna you wanna tell them what you did yesterday?
1: Yeah, that was a captivating intro, Tommy. Really appreciate you having me on my own show that we're co-hosting. <laughs> <laughs> First time listener, last time caller. Won't be calling I, again. We're still figuring it out, dude. I, I don't know. How to but understand. I went to a card. Okay, excuse you. I went to a card show in Raleigh yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very interesting. They have it at the state fair fairgrounds, and I park my car that I'm totally parking myself, and I'm going to the there. There's this fairgrounds area, and. You know, I'm like walking like a nice little half mile to get into the show because it's pretty tough to navigate and interesting floor scene. It's all circular. Oh, yeah. It no. is. It like no, 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 no. Like not in the ba- Like sure, like you get a little dizzy, like but you're just walk. It's like this whole circular arena. So that was cool. Wasn't that cool? But that was cool. Um, lots of dealers and almost all of them are football, basketball. Not fun. Um, I don't know. Um, No Desmond Bain pickups. I just tried to assert my own Desmond Baines onto other people, which were declined. Um, I didn't pick up too much. There weren't too much baseball dealers, but a good way to spend a Saturday. Probably should have been doing uh, my homework or something, but a good way to do Saturday.
0: Yeah, no, That I mean, first of all, a county fairgrounds for a card show sounds absolutely ideal. I hope every state fair now has card shows adjacent to it whenever they do it, Um, Mm -hmm. but... What is, what is, what is dealer's responses to Desmond Bain? Uh, I feel like he's a little bit of an under the radar guy. So what are these like dealers that you see at these shows saying when you try to move his stuff to them?
1: Um, I mean, I feel like most dealers in general are like, they want the 60 or 70% comps, which, Hey, like that's totally fair. That's their stick. That mm-hmm. doesn't mean I'm not going to yap about it, but that's how they operate. But I feel like a lot or just my impression or at least mm-hmm in these Southern North Carolina shows where people were more hinging on comps or at least more reliant on them. They recognize Bane as a name that's increasing, but they still want February comps.
0: Yeah. It's like, Which, Oh, I see his name on eBay now more, but I still yeah,
1: they know why. <laughs> exactly. But so it's like, okay, for a guy who's maybe like 1.3, 1.5 X in the past month or two, mm-hmm. I'm not going to go below February's comps.
0: Yeah. just, it's it's ridiculous though. I mean, I I feel like the NBA right now is in an interesting place, especially with the playoffs starting. Like my boy Jordan Poole last night had a great game. You watch, Did you get a chance to watch any of the playoffs games last night?
1: Uh no, I allegedly don't watch pro sports.
0: Yeah, you let. Alle- All right, yeah, Matt Max, big card guy, a big not sports guy. Oh, I
1: love my sports. <laughs> I know I'm bugging with you. Um, that's not my no, like, guy I, though. I like Jordan Nuara. Jordan
0: Nuara, well, completely like,
1: different tangent. But yeah,
0: wait, you you like?
1: I'm related just... from Jordan Poole.
0: Can you describe your just a, your general thought process with basketball because you are such a baseball guy, and whenever you do dabble in other sports, I'm always interested in like how
1: you approach it and like what your thought process is? Well, I mean, I am a man of many basketball acolytes in my uh, high school career and earlier, so I wouldn't say I'm completely foreign to the sport, mm-hmm. but I feel like in general, I want to find guys that during the rookie year have had granted this is all sports cards in general unless you're going at the uber high end unless you're going for like national treasures rpas or stuff of that like well for the e- record
0: for the record that's not us we will not that is not me it. we that will not be not discussing me. that sort of stuff on this podcast uh, i might yeah you'll dabble in yeah. aspirationally
1: i'll go on my soliloquies yeah all right but with that in mind it's a month to month season to season type of gig where so maybe getting these guys that are having scoring outbursts as rookies or showing that they are legitimate NBA players um, good for their higher end. If their higher end is still cheap, but that, I mean, I remember Tyrese Maxey had a huge scoring outburst on the bench his rookie year. I want to say three or four weeks into the season, I want to say it was like 40 points, something like that. Tommy, do you remember?
0: No, I, de- I definitely remember me and my buddies were actually just talking about, like, Tyrese Maxey's start to his career last night about how, like, he just showed flashes really early, but not the consistency. And exactly, time, it just became more consistent. And, not and, gran- a
1: star. and granted, he wouldn't have really had that if it weren't for Ben Simmons leaving and him opening up just so much more playing time. But Nwora was drafted second round pick 45 in 2020. I mean, mm-hmm. it's funny to say rookie cards considering that we're in 2022. So really third year players really third, I mean third year entry next year. But point being, if you see, if I see guys that look like they can play, I mean, I enjoy my fantasy basketball. I enjoy just basketball because mm-hmm. I allegedly watch sports. Then I want to be targeting those guys, at least in the off season or their higher end or auctions that people aren't actively watching.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think, I think your approach to basketball is interesting as someone who also collects heavy basketball and baseball. It's just like, because the collecting it right now is so different for each sport. Um, I think your approach is interesting, especially as someone who like is making money off the hobby and like, you know, trying to actively, uh, build up the cards, max vault, um, which, you know, more so
1: the more so the latter.
0: Yeah. 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 More so the latter than the former, for sure. I, uh, me and my, it was crazy last night. I was thinking Jordan Poole is a freaking third year player right now. He's about to finish up his third year. I'm like, damn, dude, I've been on Twitter way too long. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the time flies. Absolutely. Time flies. And it doesn't help that we still don't, I mean, we're just now getting uniforms of guys like Cunningham, guys like Jalen Green, uh, Suggs. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's really easy to complain about the Panini release schedule, but. Um... <laughs> <laughs> let's let's uh, let's talk about something a little more.
1: No, no, no. I mean, not necessarily the reflection of the panini schedule, but just how quickly it doesn't feel like these people, these you know, Kate Cunningham, you know, um, all these. I mean, the top rookies Mobley, from NBA. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Mobley. I'm thinking of Kuminga, uh,
0: Giddy Giddy, Giddy Kamingi.
1: These Dude. these aren't people that aren't being these aren't being chased right now,
0: which is crazy like, because these dudes are hot. Like, if they were, if there were products out. Like prism or something, and you're like, oh my god, Kaminga just had a thirty point game for the Warriors last night. His prices, there'd be way more hype and more discussion about basketball cards in general instead of fucking what which logo man is Drake gonna pull tonight or some shit like that. You know, it's like yeah. it's there needs to be more. I don't know, basketball is just so far behind that I think people are just in, disengaged with the actual like how results on the court impact card pricing. It's so disconnected right now because of that
1: lamello ball lamello ball lamello ball
0: and like uh, we love to you know i love to talk about liquidity like anthony edwards is popping off right now he just had one of the best playoff debut games of any player in history and i can't move an illusions orange parallel rookie card for three dollars on twitter because the freaking liquidity of anthony edwards is is not where it should be because sounds
1: like more of the liquidity of base no but like
0: even like cheap retail Retail parallels but like yeah dude like when i was in ship the other weekend it's like that's what a lot of these people have is like these like retail parallels that you know like a lot of people that are just getting into the hobby you know who don't have all the all the like access to information that we have maybe on twitter like yeah they don't know
1: i tried the bulk buy uh an individual out of all of his retail parallels uh yesterday
0: what what can you can you elaborate uh it didn't work (laughs) (laughs) can you elaborate though on what what were you trying to buy
1: Um, he had several, not several, I want to say he had, let's say a full few hundred cards, like let's say three to 500 cards of just pretty much mosaic color retail parallels with also some rookie cards in there too. Not to mention as well, um, Cole Anthony mosaic base and, um, our favorite player Desmond Bain mosaic face were also still in those $1 boxes. Definitely worth looking. But I wanted to see if I could maybe get him to like 50 cents per card and I'd be taking like 200 cards. Just a little fun experiment to see, okay, if I ship him off to comp, see how much will I be making or losing from that. Yeah. But he was, he wouldn't go much lower than 70 cents per, but I'm like, okay, I'll pay you the Benjamin or maybe plural right now.
0: Do you, do you do that often? Do you like buy out people of like value boxes or anything or just kind of a, that was just a thing you wanted to mess around with?
1: I did it once with Pokemon. Um, part of it is if the shoe fits,
0: yeah like what, so, what are you what are you looking at on eBay right now and like how does that how does what you look for on eBay differ from what you're looking at for looking for at a card show?
1: Card show, I'm more so looking for deals and underpriced relative to comps and eBay, I'm looking for um, cards that I genuinely want to buy at comps naturally okay. or above the previous comps sometimes. Or you're looking for weird eBay listings and people that don't know what this, they're doing. I mean, I want to say this is the second straight weekend where I could get like a printing plate auto for 10 bucks, which I'll just throw it out on eBay and try to see if it can fend for itself. Yeah. But like stuff like that is not something that you're going to be able to find online readily.
0: Yeah, true. Like uh, last night, I was doing my my nightly search for my 2004 Upper Deck power up parallels that uh, never pop up on eBay. And uh, we had one semi rare parallel pop up that, a uh, in the last week. But uh yeah, that's what that's what eBay's for, you know, is finding finding the things that are hot, finding the things that are liquid, but then like keeping your safe searches for the the rare times where something cool pops up. Like uh last night I was trying to fill out my I'm doing twenty eleven Sepia Giants complete set, you know, the first yes. year Sepia parallel out of ninety nine that year.
1: You make uh, sure I know.
0: Yeah, I know, I know, I know you know because I tell you everything that I think about with cards. Uh the uh but, yeah, but the reason that spurred my interest is because I always look up 2011 Buster Posey cards as a Giants fan to see like his gold cups. And I found that someone had auctioned off a Sepia, 2011 Top Scrum Sepia, and it went for like 30 bucks. And I'm like, bro, I would have easily bought that. And I'm pissed about it. So now I went and Anchor bought three other like, base event parallels.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, something that just kind of reminds me is just that we know so little about the context of an auction or the context of a listing. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my, or my only, I don't have multiple. Uh, jordan or national treasures rpas um it was new year's eve 1 a.m from australia and that was the auction that i wanted it was on the lower side of comps i believe but that's not the context oh and it had like a semi not great corner but like that's the context that you don't have when buying on ebay or you're just quickly referencing comps because although these are assets these are collectibles these are fun you know of course these are fun um every find. every item is different and if something looks a little bit you know nifty or cleaner then okay maybe that guy's going to pay 25 dollars more that doesn't mean yours with the bomb corner also gets that price mm-hmm.
0: and i think as the hobby grows and if the market is going to become more legitimized you know i think that's something that we talk a lot about it's like if the hobby is really going to grow if this is going to be some sort of asset class that people look on to respectfully like there's going to be need to be some sort of regulation not regulation but like Standardization of how things are done and like information that people are going to need that is going to be more than what we have now. Like right now, you can look up comps on eBay, right? Like you can see what an auction sort of sold for, but you don't know the context of it. You don't know how long that the posting was up. Like that's you can't check that stuff or when the auction ended. Even is that's all information that's very hard to find. And I think as like if the hobby's going to grow, people are going to have to like there's going to have to be a way to educate people on that and sort of information that is not just like the last cop was this
1: you know exactly a good about of knowledge overall is just being passed down mm-hmm. verbally.
0: and that's i think that's a that's a reason why we're doing this right like we we are deep in the hobby but we want to we want a way to like tell people about some stuff that like is maybe information or stuff that like we hear word of mouth or like from our friends that we know are like very trusted like educated hobbyists and uh, trying to find a way to like edu- like uh give that information back you know give a little bit back to the community well said. Would you Would you agree with that though? Like, I feel like I feel like that's like something we talk about a lot. Like how like how we've been educated, how we seek out information in the hobby, and like how we can pass that on to
1: people. I'd say so for sure. Yeah. Um, part of the information is just like you know, you are a wealth. For instance, I mean, I don't mean to flatter you, but you are a wealth of resources for two thousands and twenty tens giants top cards tops cards.
0: I would say tops cards in general, though. Like, I think like like I'd go to you for like variation like 2014 on flagship stuff anything like i don't yeah, of course you like, know
1: my origin story
0: yeah because i yeah and that's the thing like i don't think we need to tell our origin stories off the bat like we can't yeah. sprinkle it in throughout like what we how we got into it and like what we do collect and stuff like i think i think everyone knows that everyone has a story you know like everyone knows that everyone has a collecting story and, and they're all like semi-unique but really are they yeah i don't know they're unique No, no they're... one
1: is special except for mine yeah, yeah,
0: exactly, and you know everyone should start podcasts, including us. Yes, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think there's a there's a list that uh, I don't know if you wanted to talk about, but I want to talk about.
1: We can talk about it. All right. So so like, right now, up from ten to number three is listed, right? Can, can, you, set, can you set
0: it up? Can you uh, tell the people about about the list?
1: So Tommy met an individual in Atlanta. I Tommy, you can go into more in depth because I don't know him personally.
0: Uh yeah, I know. Uh or
1: about at least about the individual. But yeah, so his,
0: a- his name is Ephus Pitch on Instagram at Ephus underscore pitch. Uh he was the guy who had them he had a PMG Mike Trout, which I did not know existed. I met him at Culture College in Atlanta. And I just started following him and he just like posts really good takes on his Instagram stories. They're not like I don't always agree with them, but they're like at least well thought out and like they're interesting. I don't see them. I'm like everywhere. Um, yeah. So he's doing a list of the top 10 non autograph rookie cards for baseball. Like what are the most desirable, whatever parallels Should
1: read of off the bottom of the list.
0: Yeah. You want to read it off for us?
1: So right now places, positions number two and one have not been revealed by if pitch, but at number 10, we have the Bowman's best atomic refractor. Number nine is the tops flagship gold. Number eight is the Bowman Chrome super short print. Number 7 is Tops Chrome Sapphire, number 6 is Stadium Club Super Super Short Print, number 5 is Tops Flagship Black, number 4 is Tops Gold Refractors, and number 3 is Tops Heritage Throwback Variations.
0: All right, so initial what what do you think of the last two? What are going to
1: be two and one? What do I th- I am inclined to think that Super Fractor has to be number 1 right yeah. yeah it has to be and this isn't necessarily a list of monetary value but i'd say more just hobby clout and hobby respect yeah. a camo out of 25 even if it commands more you know money it doesn't have the same power that you wield in your hands as a flagship black
0: oh fly flag- dude i mean i that's my first reaction is flagship black is undervalued flagship black is like that is something that when i hold a flagship black in my hand i'm like this is what collecting is like. I like. I want a Buster Posey black rookie card because if I have that, I am one of the say f- fifty nine biggest Buster Posey collectors, and I'm a lucky, lucky person to get my hands on one. I don't know. I just that those hit home for me as someone who ripped a lot of like Papé flagship growing up. But what it, what are the other options for the final two?
1: Um. So throwback variation. Although I know Evis Pitch loves his throwback variations i wasn't expecting that when i was thinking about what the top three could be yeah i agree i was shocked by that honestly i think
0: <clears throat> maybe a photo very vari- like a ssp maybe, variation flagship I don't maybe know.
1: red red chrome has a combination of or not too much tradition but red parallels are out of five they are they do pop they've been consistent for several years but i feel like Super superfractor and red would be too predictable. I feel like he has something up his sleeve.
0: Yeah, he has. I think. I think two is gonna be. Uh, uh, he could throw a curveball at us and uh, do the do super fracture two, and then leave everyone hanging on what what one would be. I think the one that like stands out to me as the one that I wouldn't expect to be on the list is the bowman super short print. Like I get it's rare, but
1: there's, yeah, I, there's no tradition there. I know in his write up, he even said that that was he was calling his shot a bit. I personally didn't realize how to the degree of short printing they're at. Um, I see in 2018, the print run was about 441 copies. Granted, we're five years. Yeah, 1920, 21, 22. You know, four or five years out from 2018. Yeah. but And those print runs have risen. But the distinction about short prints is that it's not just a parallel. It's not just another border. It makes something unique from the actual rookie card. and makes them more collectible.
0: Yeah, more collectible and also... I think more historic, almost not like in a, a, not in like too grand of a way, but like, this is a different picture. It's still from his rookie year. Having that, like you said, like it's different from having a black border. Like, yeah, that's sick. And yeah, there's like whatever serial numbered, but this is like a piece of history. Like this is an image from his rookie year. These are rare as hell. Like, I don't know. There's something like, I think, I always had this thought in my head where I'm like, are these super short print images actually cooler or are they just rare and I think they're cooler because they're rarer, you know?
1: I want to say with most of the non-rookie cards for the ultra short prints, which I am a fan of, they're just so rare and you see them so uh, rarely. I mean, as I wouldn't say two people that are active in looking at flagship all the time, when you see a flagship picture that is not, in the base seven hundred set, it makes you think. Wait, what is that card? Yeah, and oh, also there's like thirty copies of them.
0: Yeah, and guess what? Only two have sold on eBay in the last six months. So good luck yes. <laughs>
1: and I and I was those two.
0: Yeah, and <laughs> yep, and that, <laughs> and yeah. If you see a Kessin Hero SSP auto, that's Max's definitely. Yes. Um, I can I can I educate the people on something that I, I educated you on the other day, which Edu- actually I was educated. By our boy soft toss left, soft tossing lefty on Twitter. Yes, um, he my, my he, favorite high schooler. Yes, he is amazing. And he reached out to me and was like, "Hey Tommy, did you know that Upper Deck does their own version of Tops Now, where they sometimes have golf cards and there's like a Tiger Woods one from the Masters?" And I'm like, "Oh, I had no idea. This is sick." So it's called Upper Deck Game Dated Moments, and it's on their. It's part of their EPAC program, which means that. You have to create an e pack account.
1: I know I'm a I'm familiar with the E packs. I did yeah. not know that there was the dated now.
0: Yeah, so what I didn't know and what you know I think is probably not very well advertised clearly if me and you don't know is the fact that some of these e packs have corresponding physical cards where you can pull variations, gold parallels, silver parallels, and a photo variation. What happened? What do you laughing
1: no, at? No, not nothing. I'm you're a funny guy.
0: I am a funny guy, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and so I see that there's Tiger Woods ones that I am I immediately am like, all right, five, $6 a pack. I get a one in 25 chance of a gold, one in 10 of a silver and one in 50 of a photo variation. I'm like, and I can rip the pack in the moment. It's not like tops an hour. You have to wait until you get your mail to see if you got a parallel. So I'm like, all right, I love ripping packs. You know, I'm a little bit of a degenerate, a little bit. I'm like, I, I'm very picky, but I'm a degenerate. So You're I'm not like, picky. yeah, I'm not picky. I'm not picky. That's and... your problem. <laughs> well, I'm too nostalgic, whatever. But I ripped I ripped five packs, one card per pack with the odds. You also you get the base and the parallel if you get a parallel, and I got a gold parallel, one in fi- one twenty five packs. So I was pretty happy about that. Um but I just think you, that you beat the points.
1: odds, you should rip more.
0: Yeah, right? No. Oh god. That's my thing. Is I'm I don't I, I stop when I'm ahead, unlike you, who just digs a grave deeper with mosaic blasters for yourself.
1: I think I told you about my fun rip that I had last weekend. I think you did, but you want to remind me? I I will remind you. So, Tommy, you will rip every fat pack in the Walgreens for Top Series 1, which I just think is just such a terrible waste of funds, even if you do pull a blue bordered wander. But (laughs) I was at a show in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, last weekend, and there are some individuals predominantly selling wax, and they had a box of tops on demand. And – They genuinely did not know what was in it. They told me that they thought it was soccer. And it was $25. I thought, okay, that's usually at worst MSRP of whatever Top's Now product is. Mm -hmm. So I opened it. It was Bundesliga Stars of the Season. I maybe broke even, but having that little mystery flair. I feel like I got more for my $20 than Tommy did buying two Series 1 hangers.
0: Yes, you did. And... That's something, it's one of those things where it's like, do what I say, not what I do. I, I I, I, know I'm bad there and I wouldn't tell any new friends. Oh, no, no.
1: I'm not trying to dunk on you.
0: No, you, no. But like.
1: But I, I will say, I want, if I'm gripping wax, I want to find not like weird, obtuse, 90s rock star packs. But I want to find products that you just don't see every day or you don't have an opportunity to readily rip all the time.
0: Yeah. and you yeah and you're a little bit you're smarter with that sort of stuff you're like you do more math out about expected value and like how much you could how easy it would be for i'm you not to the econ them. major i know but you're also the one in college still grinding like i have i make i have a salary and make I have healthcare
1: yeah, i could use a own. i could use a salary
0: yeah you could use it well can you you want to give a little insight into your life and like where you're at like i, I think that'd be interesting for people to know
1: like my overall life or my card life.
0: Nah, nah, like you're about to graduate from college. I'm
1: about to graduate from Wake Forest. It is April 17th at time of recording, giving Tommy's uh lackadaisical produce, production. You should probably see this May 15th when I graduate. Yep, yep. Um, I have a degree I'm going to have a degree in chemistry. I am <laughs> presently pre-med. We will see if I go for more grad school and then for a terminal MD degree or <laughs> if I pursue a PhD in chemistry. Or whatever life takes me. I'm definitely taking a little bit time to get my footing set. I'm not going full time with cards.
0: <laughs> well, doctor. Well, all, all I wanted the people to know is that you are potentially featured, Doctor Cards Max.
1: Oh, well, that—that's a lot of people.
0: Which is what I'm very excited about potentially. But uh, okay. No, I think I think it's interesting because like you approach the hobby differently because of the fact that you are just grinding. You know, you you're in these chemistry you're in like pre-med classes right now you're about to graduate but you're also going to card shows on the weekend and like selling on ebay and twitter every night so
1: oh it's my vice and you... today today is shipping day and i don't want to ship today but everyone, <laughs> everyone everyone's gonna get their shipping
0: oh yeah yep everyone always gets yeah. their shipping right max
1: right punctual on time
0: yep what's your uh what is your number one thing that annoys you about the hobby like what is it what is it is shipping the thing or is it well, like
1: um well as of right now um it's ebay non-payers i'm just having terrible luck with that um yeah. i had two auctions and i want to say on tuesday no on thursday night um neither paid
0: Dude, that yeah that sucks my one,
1: one of them was for an all-time high comp one of them was for an all-time low comp Best the, du- the, du- the
0: duality of man right there the duality of man yes <laughs> the mr. Of man?
1: mr retired high school english teacher
0: yep the uh I, the guy paid for my stuff, which I honestly was kind of worried about, but uh, I will now spend that money on. Actually, you want to help me decide? You want to help me decide what uh, I should spend this money on? Cause I have a few options.
1: I'll, this is my favorite thing to do.
0: Yeah. All right. So I sold this Steph Curry. I pulled a green fluorescent mosaic national pride out of 10, and I uh, sold it for about $500 on eBay. And, Good shot. and yeah, way lower than I would want and probably was an L, but whatever. I want to buy the 2008 09 basketball tops basketball obama short print okay and there's a hga 9 up on ebay for 700 obo
1: i'm i'm a laptop opened ebay pulled up
0: and so this is i I think people have probably seen this card it's the obama shooting a basketball with the 08 tops design um it's a short printed card from 2008 09 bass tops basketball that so that's a the year before Steph's, so it's the second to last year of uh, Topps basketball, and I think the PSA total pop report is about 25 cards. I haven't checked other sites, but uh, I say print runs probably around I don't know, 100 or 200. Um, I don't know. I don't do
1: uh, That's probably not an accurate print run.
0: Yeah, I don't do the... uh, If
1: I were inclined to think.
0: Well, you do, you do, like, pack odd print runs, right? That's how you do it, more or less?
1: You know what? I will, um, if I have the spare time, I'm gonna try and research to see if we can find the definitive print run of this.
0: Yeah, because it's an interesting card because it came out after the 08 campaign set insert set from like baseball, but it's still a more highly desirable Obama card. Um, I collect generally non-sports cards, so like I collect all president type things, like no matter what, like yeah. party or whatever. A- attention
1: seeker. Yeah,
0: no, it's not an attention <laughs> seeker. It's fucking cool because I like to collect things that people that aren't into cards also think are kind of interesting because, like, not everyone's into sports. Not everyone knows who Kestin Hira is or, like, whatever. And They should. They should. <laughs> they should, I guess. I don't know if everyone should know who Keston Hira is. But, um, you know, not, not everyone knows Desmond Bain. But everyone knows Kanye West. Everyone knows Kendrick Lamar. Everyone knows Barack Obama. So Ooh. I like to have some stuff that are, like, you like to make fun of me, though, because I get a little weird with it. Like, when I try to convince you to get this Nirvana card,
1: I mean, we can talk about the Nirvana card.
0: Yeah, we can talk. Well, the Nirvana card is out there. I want the my Bobby Fisher cards coming in the mail this week, which I'm really excited about. Um, I still don't know what it looks like. It's some sort of like weird German, like candy bar card from the '70s. So, uh, well, we never know what those are going to look like.
1: I agree. Have you thought of the 2009 Etops? For yes. Obama?
0: So the 2090 tops was posted on Twitter for like 130 bucks a few months ago, and employee 84 snagged it before I could snag it because he's a legend and knows exactly what's up. Fucks to suck. No, that card is sick though. I like their the E tops cards, dude. Are cool looking, and I've I've been looking into buy like a Tim Lincecum rookie and a Matt Cain rookie of those, and a, there's a Buster Posey rookie that I'm gonna need eventually too. So uh, trout. Is there a Trout tops, Ricky? There is a Trout 2011 ETOPS. Wow. That's pretty cool. Um, I did not know that. Good for education. Education, education,
1: education. Yep. Out of uh, 90, 999.
0: Yeah. I wonder if all of them are out of 999 because I, that's all I see from ETOPS. And I don't know if like, there's no way that that many people buy all those back in the day, right? Like, I don't know. Like, do
1: I know? was a... Uh... I was a little kid at the time.
0: We were on Top's Town. We were not on. Topstown. we were not yes, on. Topstown. We, we, were not
1: we were on, on, we on Topps Town.
0: Yeah, I I love Topstown, Town. By the way, for the record, um, I was ripping that back in the day. Do you? Can you explain what Topps Town was? Do you remember what you could like physically do in Topstown? Town?
1: I cannot articulate it. I yeah, know I, I that can't. I was more interested in Upper Deck and how you could redeem cards on the back. You can redeem codes on the back of each base card.
0: Yeah, like I, Upper Deck back in the day, I was ripping those like. Up, I was ripping golf packs because whatever, I was a nerd. And there was like this Tiger Woods scratch off one. And I have I have like four of them. And they're all just absolutely scratched the hell off.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that's not what collecting is all about. But that was a way to try and get renewed interest in the hobby. Yeah. It's funny thinking about it. But I'd say up until 2018, there is just less and less interest in cards because it's niche. And it's out there. But I mean, now demand is far from an issue yeah at least on there being winding waning demand
0: i so that's the thing is like demand is not a total representation though of like how many people are into the hobby i think people see how much money can be made off sealed wax in the last couple years and kind of like i think the certain people that were making money like quadrupled down on this as something they can make money on versus like there being four times as many people coming in you know um so as Fnatic starts to take over, I'm interested to see like if they really are trying to grow the hobby by like four or five times in the next. You know, if they're trying to make money on this investment that they put in, and like grow the hobby, they're gonna have a lot of hurdles. A lot of, lot of. Uh, it's a niche hobby, you know, and it's gonna be hard to like communicate that to the whole world. And I know they have a lot of big plans, but like I'm interested to see what they do because there's there's a lot of big hurdles to getting the the normal person into cards.
1: Are you familiar with? Zero Cool and their blind Dutch auction system.
0: Yes, and I I have some thoughts on it, but I want to hear your thoughts first.
1: Um, first done by Luber at StockX in yeah. 2019.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry, familiar. sorry, I, I,
1: could, I was hearing my uh, the husky downstairs. Oh, she, was, she was howling. Oh, but yeah, uh, newly adopted. Sorry, like, Max Husky. Not mine, but roommates. Yeah, roommates. So can mom, you ma- can you
0: explain what the
1: double blind auction system? What it does? Yeah. Yes, I was before I was rudely interrupted by Sadie the Husky. You're cutely interrupted. Cutely interrupted. It could be both. <laughs> so, Tops in 2019 released Bowman Chrome X. This was the inception of that release. Of you know, this is the first time that that was being released in tandem with 2019 Bowman Chrome, where you are given one encased PSA at the time PSA graded card in a small box. And it was exclusively available through Stop X. Stock X, having some enunciation, you know, pronunciation issues here. Okay. And all cards were, I want to say, out of 31 or out of 37, and there might have been parallels out of three and out of one, something like that. But these were very short supply boxes, and it was only for pro- a select group of prospects and rookie cards. Like Tatis has a green X fractor exclusively from these boxes. I have not seen that one before. That's sick. And all these were PSA graded out of the out of the box. So Luber's distribution of this through StockX was that, and even the rationale that you see on the Zero Cool Fanatic Zone card website that we've seen with the V Friends card release and the Jackass card release is that first come first serve used to reward people who wanted to buy the item, but anyone will buy an item for twenty and then sell it for eighty. And yep. there's a lot more people that like money more than they like the item. So go. the blind blind Dutch auction system, every potential buyer puts in the maximum that they are willing to pay as a blind bid. Yep. No one else knows what that bid is. There's no sw- there's no public perception of what that bid is. Yeah. And let's say there's a hundred boxes, and the top you know or excuse me let's just say there's 10 boxes just to make this analogy easier yeah. and the top you know highest bids the top 10 highest bids were 500 400 300 290 280 270 yeah. 260 250 all the way down let's say all the way down to 250 yeah then if 250 is the lowest bid then the top those people who did 250 and higher all get 10 but bo- all get one box at 200, two hundred at two hundred fifty dollars.
0: Yeah. So the price is not the top; it's the tenth highest bid. Whoever yes. puts in the tenth highest auction price, well, wh- wh- whatever that's the price.
1: Correct. Whatever is the lead whatever is the highest amount, or excuse me, the lowest amounts paid by the ranking of the highest of the number of boxes available. So there's a hundred boxes. Then the hundredth lowest bid that would have gotten a box gets yeah, it. Yeah, and they and all the, pay that price. So yeah, Fanatics leaves a lot of money on the table. But the point of this is to generate a sense of market value. And although, you know, like as healthcare fee, phone will can kick in quick. And there's still going to be aftermarket demand for this stuff. But at least in the initial thought, it's like, okay, if I want to pay $150 for this box and the min bid was 200 okay, I wasn't going to pay for that price anyway. But if the yeah. box goes for 100 it indicates that I wanted I was a consumer of that box and I get it for cheaper than I would have thought.
0: Yeah. And I think that's explaining this whole concept is what, Is my what my problem is with it is just like it's a little too complex. Like I think it's very fair. I think it's like the most fair way. uh, Like I think we both agree it's the most fair way of doing that. But it is it is very complex to explain this to someone, and it is not going to lower the barrier for entry to cards. And I know that like getting you know getting access to product is something that is good for the people. You know, it's good for people to have access. And I know that like bots are a problem and everything, but like. It is complex. It's hard to explain. It's like, it is, it's an easy, it's a concept that's not too difficult, but like verbally explaining this to someone, if I was like, hey dude, they're jackass cards, like, and like some guy who's not into sports and he's like, oh, I really want to buy one of those boxes. Like, how do I do it? And I'm like, oh, well, guess what? Double blind auction. (laughs) Like, I don't know. It's not, it's not like the most friendly thing. It's not like someone's going to be like, oh sweet, like, let's go. Let's do it. Um, Whatever. But I, I I I think
1: part of that crazy is naturally intertwined with people being into cards in the first place and into all of these nuances and specialties and asterisks and exceptions yeah so although it's a little bit tough to digest it at least promotes a fair system
0: yeah and i i think that is what is gives me hope with fanatics is like they seem to get it they get that there's more cards can be doing with culture like getting more other brands that are already kind of in a similar collecting realm and getting them to partner. Like I saw tops partnered with lids the other day, they're going to start putting it selling cards at lids. I think that is something they should have started doing in like 2007, <laughs> you know, I'm glad they're doing it in 2022, but you know, that's, those are opportunities that are there for cards. And you know, I think, I think we're going to see more and more of that. And I trust Luber to like, you know, get, you know, I want Supreme parallels, you know, like I think that's good for the hobby.
1: Yeah. Um, expansion and getting more people into cards is definitely a little bit of a challenge. Now that there's product in the shelves, it's a little bit easier. But I have a good friend of mine who doesn't follow sports too much, even less than I do, although I do follow my sports, even though others may allege otherwise. That, okay, he wants a Tiger Woods card. Okay, well, your best bet is like 2001 Wax or whatever his rookie year is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, you want to chase LaMelo? It's like, okay, don't buy the retail boxes, like buy singles. Don't buy breaks. There's a lot of, it's hard. It's difficult because the most fun options are the ones that you are going to make, you're likely going to lose the most in.
0: Yeah. And I also like, I have the same thought with my friends too. It's like my friend, everyone wants to rip a box, but it's like if you're chasing basketball right now, there's no worse expected value than ripping panini retail Like, there is, like, there's nothing worse because we have no idea print runs. We have, your your odds of getting a numbered card are incredibly low. Like, you can't chase LaMelo. And at this point, LaMelo is almost a vet. Like, guys want to chase Mobley. And, like, I'm not going to tell someone to go rip, like, a Chronicles draft picks fat pack. Like, I just feel bad telling
1: someone. Or even, like, a top Series 1 hanger you know, the most easy-to-consume, you know, Series 1 flagship. It's meant to be widely distributed. Yeah. At least in previous years, you had a decent shot of hitting color. But I can't, you know, let's say you're giving someone new a pack of, you know, a blaster, $20, and they hit a Wander rookie card, you get the chase, sweet, killer, and it's worth five bucks.
0: Yeah, it's like what I expected, like, being in the junk wax era, it's like, you know, you rip, you rip for Greg Jeffries rookies, you pull one, you think you get, it's like, maybe the price, it maybe is worth the price of the pack that you paid, you know, like, it's like, maybe, and... I, don't know. I wish I could tell my friend his Wander stars of MLB insert that he pulled from his hanger is worth the $10 he paid for it, but it, it is not.
1: <laughs> it is not. And that's a little bit of a problem.
0: It is, but it you know, we, we are both promoters of base cards, you know, even, even though I'm wearing this EFIS sweatshirt right now that says otherwise on the back, but like, you know, I, I love collecting base. I love having my binder full of like my giants team sets for, from every year. And like, I don't know. I, I want to have my rookie cups and stuff, but uh, if it's all parallels, parallels, parallels all the time, you know, it's, it's a little bit exhausting.
1: I somewhat agree with that, although there's a beauty in base because, I mean, at least older base, they're just the production value, the production runs are just not nearly similar to what it is now. You're not threatening, you're not pushing a million printed Wander Franco cards by the end of 2022.
0: Can you can you educate people on like the history of Topps Chrome versus Topps Paper and like print runs and stuff? Because I think that that's something that like if you're getting into it for the first time right now, you probably don't know the history of that.
1: Um, I can try. Um, I want to say, don't know this 100. That Topps Chrome's first year was 2001 or 2000.
0: Oh, you're so off. On I'm that. so off. No, what you're, am I thinking of?
1: You're thinking you. I'm thinking rookie. Am I thinking Topps Chrome rookie autographs?
0: You're probably thinking Ricky Otteros because... Which I
1: think that's 2004.
0: Tops Chrome always started. I always think Kobe's rookie year, 96. That's the first Tops Chrome.
1: Year. Even for... Actually, no, that makes sense. Yes, there's definitely... It's 96.
0: It's just because there's not an iconic baseball rookie card that is a Tops Chrome until, I think, Ichiro and Pujols. Until card.
1: Ichiro and Pujols in 2001. Yeah, that's which I'd is say. weird.
0: Which is weird, though, now that I think about it. like How is there not an iconic baseball Tops Chrome rookie from the 90s? It was out for four years. That's weird.
1: Because baseball isn't marketed well.
0: True. But like even who would it uh, like the late nineties were just tough for baseball rookies in general though.
1: Yeah, you're right at that turn of where stuff is starting to get short printed, but also people are losing interest from post-junk wax.
0: Yeah, and it's yeah, true. You have companies like Pacific putting out like serial numbered stuff that like no one cared about. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh yeah, no, it's Top Scrum ninety six. I will say I think what you're thinking about is probably just like the first Tops Chrome. I, th- I want
1: right? to say autographs for 2004. Okay,
0: no, I check that, that follows with me, but uh, yeah, I think what the point that I was trying to make is just like print runs were lower for Tops Chrome, demand was lower. People thought you know pr- the price for a flagship paper rookie was always more than the Chrome rookie, right? Like that's yeah. Kind of and
1: think about it like this: Series One is the most highly printed set in the year of the year, mm-hmm. in part because it's right leading up to baseball season, and then not counting series. I mean, even with that, you have factory sets that are coming out mid-season or late-season every single year. Chrome is released around the All-Star break or around the National in late July, usually. Mm -hmm. And around, you know, given both the time of that release as well as, you know, people aren't going to be rushing. I mean, now people rush to get Chrome. But at the time... It was just another product. It was just shiny.
0: Yeah, and to, honestly, to me, when I was growing up, and I was ripping a lot of flagship paper, and then my dad would sometimes come back with like a Chrome pack, and I'd be like, "Ah, oh, these like feel cheap. Like these, not these like, are like different." Yeah, these are different, and it wasn't like, "Oh, like I want more of these." It was like, "Ah, oh, give me, give me back the other stuff. Like I want, give me back what I." Because I was a kid, and like honestly, probably for the best, I would scratch the hell out of those Chrome cards. But I did rip which is, I think, the card that I wanted to bring up with the print run thing. Um, I did rip some 2004 Topps Chrome, which is, you know, iconically a Yachty's rookie, uh, which has an incredibly low PSA pop for a base card. Uh, I think you were looking that up this week, right? Yes.
1: Um, I had my off-center one pop at PSA as a PSA 8. Probably overall will be a break-even for me, given what I'm in it for. And I want to say offhand, my... The eight is like a pop seventeen with like hundred eighty higher or something like that.
0: It's crazy. It's crazy compared to nowadays print runs. Like this is a Hall of Fame catcher who you know. I don't remember. Like, Granted, I don't not, know. not everyone
1: was immediately subbing these to PSA, really true. ever. But true. But
0: now they would have. I mean, it's been a minute. You know, it's been it's been a significant amount of time, and the print runs got to be significantly lower than they are now. You know.
1: Yeah. So that's, uh, it's definitely significantly lower, but yeah.
0: And I think that's something that was interesting to me getting back into the hobby in the last couple of years is like realizing that, oh, Chrome base is worth more than, Chrome, than normal flagship paper. Um, and it wasn't and, like
1: that until COVID.
0: Yeah. And I think I think if you got into it now, you would, ha- would be like, oh, what? That was that recently that paper was valued over Chrome. Um, and that's, you know, not to bring it full circle to EFIS's list. It's like there are two flagship paper parallels on there. I think right now we only have one chrome right we just have the uh, the gold refractor just the gold refractor which like has the most history but also doesn't i think that's something that is probably like we I, I like to always think about what was the first set for each type of parallel so like what was the first sepia set what was the first gold set what was the first black parallel set 2003
1: first are and, important
0: yeah first are important and with chrome you get a lot of start and stops you get a lot of like oh the retrofractor from 2001 goes away or whatever and like you have the black i mean kind of right like it's not it's not called gold
1: isn't the retrofractor like the normal refractor or is that
0: nah because the retrofractor looks like a gold refractor on the pools it's not just like a straight refractor Hmm. um it's a lot of start and stops though. Like the black refractor, you get that for a few, like a little bit. Like that could have been, that should have been one, I think, like the equivalent of the gold parallel for, for chrome, should have been the, the black refractor. But now it's kind of become just the, the base refractor, which is now way too common. So, well, the like, black
1: refractor is gone.
0: I know, which I think, which is whack, dude. I love the black refractor.
1: When did they get rid of that? Like 2015?
0: A while ago, yeah, because like, oh, I sent you the, the trout one from 2013
1: up. That's as a black refractor rookie,
0: he does okay. So 2014, yeah, when it must have been last year because I once they got rid of the border, I guess they got rid of the black refractor.
1: That makes it well. 2016, I'm trying to think of the 2016 design. No, 26, yeah, they didn't have the full border in 2016, they just had like the little cross,
0: yeah. So that they they, they probably switched things up then, I guess, but uh,
1: and then 2015, 2015 had. Yeah, 2015 had borders, but it was um, it was like multicolored. It was not just a white border like it was in 2014.
0: Yeah, and 2014 and also like so like a lot of years previously, like I think going back to 2008. Between 20, 2008 and 2014, I think it's all white border tops cards. Fem-
1: yeah, I know 2014 is the last year of white border.
0: Yeah, because it t- 2007 was the black border, which I ripped a lot of. Oh, that's beautiful. That is a beautiful Trevor Story card. I I like him. Is he Hall of Fame bound? Possibly. You just say, "Do you have a chance?"
1: Um, a- dude has a chance. Maybe if he gets rings and he boosts the accolades a little bit. Yeah. Because I know he started off so strong and he had chords. He has course field.
0: Yeah. True. Course field.
1: Yeah. Uh. Um. I just panned my black Out of 65, Trevor Story black rookie card to the camera to Tommy PSA nine, pop four, none higher,
0: none higher, none higher, no tens. Wow, you know, that's all right. So, there's a guy, his name is Jules. He's on Twitter. Uh, I forget what his Twitter ad is, but I I know him from Chicago. He uh, is a huge Joey Votto collector. Um, Mm -hmm. and he posted on the timeline the other day a Joey Votto black rookie PSA 10. And I was like, like, he's just kind of getting into it. Like, he knows a lot now. But, like, I was like, dude, like that is, like, one of the coolest cards I've ever seen. Like, a PSA 10 black rookie card, those things just do not pop up.
1: Yeah. Um, I started a small collection of black rookie cards. But just not of guys that were, like, killer. But, like, guys in, like, the $10 to $20 range. Because, like, these guys are just, you know, they, they dry up quickly. Yeah. I have, like, I'm, like, for so... I have, like, a Brett Phillips. I got that, like, right around when he was making noise in the World Series. I have a Michael Franco, huge Phillies bust from 2015, That's and awesome. going to be play the hot corner at third base. So even stuff like that, like, okay, like, I still keep them, not necessarily for resale value, but just as a little bit of a memento for how big or how these guys were bigger names or at least interesting names at some point. Yeah. And, and I, once they dry up, they dry up. Yeah.
0: Like, if you showed up to imagine showing up to a show you had an entire case full of black parallel rookie cards you know how like you know how many comments you would get from people about how cool that is like
1: no i think 80 percent of people would think i'm crazy for holding those cards and they don't know baseball at all but then like the other 20 percent would just like respect
0: it yeah they'd be like damn that's sick that you have these like uh, i i i've told you this before but my biggest poll growing up was a mad bum black
1: parallel rookie which, my you know, my I biggest think. pull was a Troy Glouse like tenth year black refractor. So you have me beat for sure.
0: Yeah, my I, uh, I pulled I ripped I, I pulled three black parallels growing up. I pulled an 03 Jason Pride prospects out of fifty two, which was the first year of black parallels. Which was that's I mean at least it was a prospect, but that too did not turn out. My second one was two thousand five Tripper Jones black parallel. I think I sold that for like twenty bucks, getting back into the hobby. Which I didn't do that. And my third one was Madison Bumgarner, 2010 tops, rookie card out of 59. That was that was pretty hype. Um, but again, Do you have that, it slabbed
1: or you just keep it raw?
0: I have it raw. It's really clean, dude. Like I don't know what I. It was like at the end of my collecting as a kid, so like I think I probably yeah. just like tossed it in a binder and like never ever took it out of it. So it's just been literally sitting in a binder.
1: For me, I feel like get that in the pop board just so that like it's like another recorded coffee that exists yeah no. and also it's like with a card that cool that old and that hey that this is my opinion like this is why you know i got my trevor story slabbed even though it, i knew it would nine yeah no but that, i'm that, very happy with that nine but no, i just to have that that's just like it's it's a, just an outright cool card
0: and oh, that's, that's diluted
1: diluted by that walmart had retail black parallels that year
0: yeah diluted but not I would say, yeah, I don't well, everyone hates the Walmart Blacks, I do too. Um, but that's something that you know we've been homies now for a few months and like we talk about cards. That's something that you've influenced my thinking the most on is uh, grading. So I'm a, I'm a collector. like I don't really sell that many cards, but like you changed my mind about why having something slabbed, it adds something to it. And I kind of always thought it might take something away from it, but you added you're like, nah, I, I bought this card raw. I sent this in myself. I got it graded. That adds more to you. You're it adds more ownership to that card for you. I think. Yeah. And I um, think that's real. That's like a cool thing that like I started to feel once I started ABS, you know, always be submitting.
1: Always be sla always be subbing.
0: Always be subbing.
1: Always be subbing, that's for sure. Um maybe a little bit is just like when you're holding, like let's say you hold a card in your like would you just without, you know, lax basically, would you just hold your Madison Bumgarner black rookie card with, you know, fifty-five coffees or whatever it is in your hand. You know yeah. would you just I mean, I know you would, but I mean like I feel like okay, you gotta be careful with it. You can't be running around with it. Don't run around with your stabs either. Yeah. But it's like, okay, it's fragile, it's delicate. At least like I can pick this up and hold it and I don't have to worry about my oily fingers getting it after having some nice fried chicken.
0: Yeah, or like I have it I have it in a one touch. It's preserved. Yeah. So how I keep my nice cards, I keep them in one touches that are in bags so like yeah which is probably as secure as you can keep something without slabbing it but is also like still like as what happened with your your Juan Soto goal the Juan Soto goal you know you never know you could accidentally crease it somehow any second
1: ah which is funny because that's that's not what happened
0: I know but we can you can save
1: that for another time no no
0: but like no that's like just in general though like I I yes but that could happen submitting it though too. You know, I think that's something that people worry about significant like, significantly. Is like, I don't want to send in this card in the mail. You know, you know how you know how effed up the mail service can be sometimes. Like, I don't oh, know. I
1: have experienced firsthand.
0: Did you uh, get that resolved? For the I did. The I did not.
1: You did not. Get that resolved. I have an active uh, mail search. Uh, they're getting the army and the navy to find my lost bubble mailers and right now with no success
0: i'll call my guy at the coast guard we'll see if he can uh, put in the word get, okay. get some get, more get
1: air force in while you're at it
0: yeah, yeah uh space force too maybe possibly Space uh, force, yeah well i was telling my friend last night that uh, i think my my career goal is to be the head lobbyist for the card industry to congress
1: like the solicitor general
0: yeah like i want to be the guy that like let's say someone there's like a they're like all right we're passing this bill about collectibles like yeah. I'm the guy you to are the rep-
1: you are the litigator in that yeah. situation
0: I want to be like going to Congress people's offices being like if you don't vote no on this bill I'm taking away your rights to product like you're not getting hobby boxes anymore your office that's what I want to be saying. <laughs>
1: that's kind of funny <laughs> if,
0: I was, if I was running for office I do take campaign contributions in hobby boxes Yeah, I'm gonna, yeah. I'll, I'll propose that for Darian's next election
1: yes um, always need some spicy stuff can political we, uh, sometimes
0: yeah can we uh, can we do a little uh, what 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 do you got in the week ahead what what anything you've got coming in any any sort of card related activities you got going on um
1: card related activities i don't have too much i have a psa sub that popped and is in transit to me right now so it'll be cool even though i know the grades and i know the cards yeah i was gonna say you're not you're not team no look i well for subs that are like six seven months total bulk like you know door-to-door that's when i'm kind of like team no look because like look if i've already waited like a year for my sub to pop i can wait another week but for stuff that is a month turnaround or two weeks turnaround it's like cash flow cash flow cash flow cash flow as well like always be listing sometimes no
0: you are always listing oh no
1: i gotta be always doing my homework i don't have time to list yeah
0: and that's why that's why you're constantly texting me
1: about cards (laughs) Oh you are really gonna spill me like that.
0: No nah, no nah, you know I do. you know that, that's just me but I'm, so, I, I'm distracting you more times than uh, vice versa.
1: Yes you on central time schedule gets to send me listings that I get to wake up to post midnight. what's up? I said that's fun though you like yeah that. no it is fun. I love it. Yeah. Um, what do I have coming in during the week um, yeah. I have a, another jazz Chisholm black my fourth. Um, right now I have two PSA eights, one PSA nine, and I bought another one off eBay Raw and there are no more on eBay that I see. So Dude, let's go. Is That's this an awesome? Addic- is this an addiction at this point? I don't know. Dude, um, I
0: am so happy though. That's awesome. I, I love this like horrid black parallels of one guy like sort of strategy. Like if Jazz Chisholm, like let's say he wins like the home run derby or something, like yeah. something kind of random. Like you're gonna sell one of those for the price that you get two or three of them for, probably
1: i may have overpaid a bit but we'll see. we'll see um and then i have three pokemon cards coming in that are on the mintier side from i want to say 2004 2006 and 2008 um I mean, possible what was
0: subbing, that? possible subbing options here like you might submit these
1: um combination of nostalgia combination of these are lower pops than people would think and I don't know if I would rather have, like, just to put a number on it, like, all right, your PSA nines are doing like $200, $300 of some of these, you know, mid 2000s Pokemon Hollows. And granted, you know, I'm, I didn't follow too much sports when I was a kid. Yeah. And I ripped baseball cards as much as any other kid when I was a kid. Yeah. But also, Pokemon, when I'm seven, I'd never played any of the Nintendo games, but that was just more popular at the yeah. time. Yeah, Like kids would go in and they would trade their Pokemon cards and you'd get scammed and that's how it goes. Yeah. So there's more of like an actual like personal nostalgia with that than it is for sports cards for me, even though i much rather use, buy sports cards and I'm more financially and otherwise invested into sports cards. Yeah, for sure. But uh, if there's something that I am a little financially bullish on, given that I am very much not a financial expert, I'm good at losing money, actually. Um, I think that like if you're looking at your charts, like people want their tens, and then their tens are like five figures in price or four yeah. figures in price, and yeah. then they're priced out. But I still think that there's so few nines of these years of cards available. Yeah, that I want to subbing them and then keeping them for my own enjoyment and for my own stash, as well as I think if the margins work out, the margins also work out. But this isn't stuff that I'm readily, partly because it isn't as liquid, ready to flip as soon as I get it in hand.
0: Yeah, I I love hearing you talk about Pokemon because it's so it's something that like I don't really have a connection with. So so when you
1: were six, seven, eight, like what trading cards did people have, or what, what what type of school were you in as well?
0: I went to I just went to like Catholic school growing up, so like just like 30 person per grade classes. Yeah, um, but yeah, so I I had a pretty like I wasn't exposed to like tons of kids, you know, and stuff. So I I, I
1: mean I wasn't either. I also had a 30 year class. Yeah, in my, in my and, private high school
0: for sure. And I. I did not know anyone. Like I knew my friends had some baseball cards. All my friends knew that I had a ton of baseball cards and like, it was kind of just like my thing. And like, it was very possessive about it. And like, I would spend hours in my room, like sorting them by team and then putting them in binders. And like, I had like so many binders full of baseball cards and I would never trade them with anyone or anything. So like my experience was very, um, internal you know like it was a very personal thing for me as opposed to this social aspect
1: i want to say with sports and baseball definitely more personal but just you know granted seven eight-year-olds groupthink is very strong one kid has pokemon cards everyone wants to have them so i mean this is all and also given that look sports you have your mass commercialized base and your rare serial number parallels pokemon there's no parallels these are quite literally the same cards and the same versions that i had when as a little kid
0: yeah, and Pokemon's more for the people that way, I think, and that's... Yes. And that's why I love Pokemon, is because it, it helps, it's, it's more accessible, you know, it's, there's no double blind options in Pokemon.
1: Yes, um, do you, are you familiar with how reprints work?
0: I'm not actually, I, I'm aware that they exist, I'm not familiar with how they work.
1: Okay, so I've never played the actual TCG game, I'm not that much of a nerd. Hey
0: hey, hey,
1: hey, maybe I am, but I have not.
0: You are absolutely that much of a nerd. We are all that much of a nerd Oh, hour, I guess we're an I hour guess, deep talking about cards,
1: right? Hey, fifty-eight minutes and yeah, sorry, fifty-nine, 59 <laughs> minutes and two seconds into it, <laughs> so not go. a full hour. There you go. But, um, for my understanding of it, cards are in a rotation of every two years or so, and certain sets will go in, well, be in play, and then for a year or two, progressively go out of play, and then they're no longer in play. So pretty much during, I mean, technically, a card, you know, it can be reprinted whenever, but usually, like, once it's out of this two-year in-cycle playing period, that's when, like, there's definitely no more reprints for the most part. Yeah. But with that in mind, like, if, let's say, there's a hot set that comes out and it is consistently going out of stock, people need to, these cards for their decks. People need to have this product, you know, not need, this isn't, you know... Flipping water bottles or Kleenex, but for their enjoyment value, they want to have these items in their decks, to, and also so that the singles don't get too highly priced. The goal with Pokemon is that it, a product is readily available at SRP until it's just clearly an older product. Yeah. So when you're buying stuff like Hidden Fates, which has the shiny Charizard that you know GX that is very high in demand and maybe the most iconic modern pokemon in the past like pokemon card in the past 5 10 years.
0: Yeah. What like what is the print run on a card
1: like that Charizard? Like um, I I don't is. know the print run. I yeah. know since I got a little bit lucky, I had one of my add my only one of these cards 10 at the PSA order that's coming that's returning to me this week. Um I believe it's a pop 3700 in a 10. Okay. And so maybe not, there's like 5 crazy. this 5000 cards total printed by PSA?
0: That's not like Gavin Lux levels of PSA pop report. So No,
1: and part and I, I go into this a little bit, but I don't want to just, you know, say stuff that I'm repeat to you in private all the times But no, no, um, I do want to a I- I- Part of the psychology is that from my interpretation of it, like what is the S in PSA stand for? Service. I believe it's sports. Is it? Sports. I'm pretty sure it's sports. It's sports? Is it sports? Dude, am, I, I, that's I, I, just, I feel, great I feel like great it's game. I feel like it's sports. What is what does PSA stand for? I think it's
0: Yeah, that's I go to a card show and ask a hundred people <laughs> what PSA stands for, and you would get a hundred different answers
1: okay. No, it's professional sports authenticator.
0: I really? had to struggle there.
1: I didn't want to say sports and have it not be stupid. Um I believe SGC is sports grading company or something like that i think it
0: must be that sounds right yeah
1: but now, but, yeah. but just just for the point you know just for the point like psa is the number one grading company it's professional sports in the name professional for, sports authenticator so it's not only necessarily that like like csg is real and, and csg has its sports equivalency as csg is sports cgc is gaming gaming cards yeah and that's specifically for gaming cards. Well, PSA kind of just encompasses everything. Yeah, but with that in mind, it's not when you're opening. At least from my interpretation, the average Pokemon collector, you don't rip something and you're like, "Okay, cool, I'm gonna, gonna get it graded," because it's just not as relevant. And also, part of the you know genuineness about it is that it's not always all about money.
0: Yeah, and I think that's hard for people. That's it that makes it hard to compare to sports. Because in sports you're so heavily chasing the money
1: aspect. Exactly, sports when you're ripping packs, you're hoping to break even or profit. Pokemon, you are going to lose near every single time, and people rip for the solely for the entertainment value and for the fun value and for the responsible. You know, sometimes you're responsible, the responsible gambling of wanting to get a big card and the recognition that it is almost always not in their favor. Even worse than sports. So yeah, also when so when someone has it, you know has their Pokemon cards. Like I bought this Charizard at a game at my local gaming shop shop in New York that just, they actively buy collections at like 70% comps and like sell at like 90. And that's mm-hmm. kind of part of their business model. Yeah. So I, in essence got like this Charizard SV 49 from Hidden Fates. It's a very cool card. Tommy, if you don't know, I, no, example, I know I, I've
0: seen this card. It's you have seen sick. the card. It's, it's, it's sick.
1: It's sick. It's it's sick. sick. Um, and it was, it was just probably sitting in someone's binder and sitting in someone's collection in for, you know, a year, maybe two years, until they sold it to the gaming store, and I bought it in like late February, early March. Yeah. And it's still PSA ten condition, so it's not like people are buying this stuff and actively sending it to PSA for profit, and that's part of the genuineness with Pokemon cards. But with that, yeah. um, so overall print run, going back to the root of it, yeah, overall print run, who knows, but. Three look, imagine if there were thirty seven hundred of a popular sports card in the in PSA ten. Yeah. That's like a lot. Yeah. For something lot. that's not based, that's a lot. Yeah. But it just speaks to the widespread market that Pokemon is.
0: Yeah. And I I think that I want like the two things that stood out from when you that what you just said to me were like the fact that when you're buying raw cards of Pokemon, there's less skepticism about someone being like already searched it or like already like was like ah this is i'm not gonna sub this or whatever um there's less of that going on like less like oh i'm not gonna buy this like prism lamello ball card from this guy because he subs the cards all the time there's no way this is a good condition if he's selling it raw you know it's like that sort of thing um there's less of that in pokemon
1: you do have the opposite problem though a little bit of i'd say since people actually think about it these cards have utility they are played with So I don't want to say the five or so tiers of Pokemon cards or for gaming cards and trading cards in general. It's like damaged, heavily played, moderately played, lightly played, or near mint. Yeah. And sometimes in both spectrums, people over or underestimate. Sometimes people will say a card is near mint when it's really closer to lightly played or sometimes even moderately played. But on the converse, um, a card that I bought as uh, moderately played graded a near mint mint psa eight
0: yeah it's which it's, yeah i get so what there's you're less
1: on. there's less consistency with it which in part is like i guess why it's good the third party grading exists because yeah there's just so much inc- inconsistency person person in- to person
0: inconsistency leads to opportunity as well as we know with cards
1: yes opportunity for fun
0: yes uh I, can i can i leave you with one little anecdote that i learned this week about cards which are, are we are? are we calling it a wrap I think I think we can call it a wrap. Um, I think we talked a lot about a lot of yeah. things today. And I'll I'll,
1: co- I'll cover one more thing. Yeah, cover just, one more just thing. just very very briefly. Yeah, yeah. Um, part of why flagship blacks and even flagship golds are more interesting is that PSA tens are freaking hard to find. Yeah. And part of why what's a little bit attracting me with Pokemon is that like a PSA nine is not a failed PSA ten for older Pokemon. A yeah. PSA nine is like mint. And it's not just something, you know, that nobody really wants. Or even like flagship black, flagship gold. Like, all right, my, my story that I was sharing is... F1. A, oh, F1. Oh, yeah, F1 has several... Exactly, F1 is a perfect uh, context of parallels have chipping issues on the back because they're made in Italy. 10s are near impossible. 9s are hard to get. 8s are your normal, normal-ish, sometimes a little bit lower. So with that in mind, like, the grade actually means something when it isn't a 70%. PSA ten,
0: yeah, for sure. I think that whole concept of gradeability is something that is going to have another thing where like there's going to have to be an easier way for someone to figure that out. Like, oh, this set is hard to grade, and I know you can just search pop reports and be like, oh, like this set, it looks like there's less tens and stuff. Yeah. But like it's going to be hard for people to learn, like to figure that out.
1: Yeah, like, on their own. Yeah, in the context that a nine is unwanted, and you can barely tell the difference between that and a ten. You can definitely tell the difference between like lightly played and and near mint or whatever, and the variance in grades is definitely more important. Yeah,
0: for sure. Um, I I love your I love the thought about the gradability thing and like the that's why I was so impressed by seeing a PSA ten black Joey Auto rookie card. It's like, dude, those things just do not exist. They just they just they just come out of the pack as nines or eights, you know.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and that's um, cool. And that is collecting.
0: And that is collecting, and that's what is all that. I'm going to leave you just one little tidbit that I learned this week. Um, did you know that in Europe, I learned this from a man from France this week that uh, sticker packs in Europe are sold at cigarette and lottery stores, and not at like a toy store.
1: I did not know that.
0: Isn't that interesting though? Like it's like it's it's like a, it, they put them next to the lottery and where you go buy cigarettes, not
1: where the kids are playing. (laughs) That's incredibly interesting. Yeah. Um, I know obviously a lot of stickers are or even more so decades ago than now were just immediately put into soccer sticker albums. Yeah, exactly. But uh
0: it's just it's just something to think about, you know? It's just an interesting cultural difference between the US and Europe and stickers versus cards. But uh
1: great topic for next time.
0: Yeah. And I think we'll do these about once a week if you're down. Um, I I love. I, I am an
1: always down type of guy.
0: Yeah. And I think a lot of people talk about doing a podcast or talk about doing a card show. And, you know, we, we FaceTime each other about like once every other day and talk for about two hours anyway. So we might as well.
1: Might as know. well get it on the
0: record. And I think we share a lot of like information back and forth where we're like, oh, did you know this? Did you know this? Did you know this? And it's like, let's. Let's bring in more people into our little loop of like of like information sharing.
1: Yeah, the there's definitely some cohesion with the way that we think and the mentality that we have collecting.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I'm excited to just keep talking, Max, you know. It's Flip cards home. until you're dead. Flip Always be subbing. Always be talking about cards.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: and that is what I'll, con- uh, I'll
1: convert you to the dark subbing side.
0: Can you uh, quickly tell the people where they can find you during the week?
1: Um they can find me during the week at cardsmax on Twitter, at cards Max on Instagram yeah. and there's usually a, an informal Twitter space on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern. So yeah. if you're a fan of the show and you want to talk to you know, I'll be there usually, Tommy sometimes. Talk to us directly. That's yeah. a fun avenue to do so.
0: That, that is Max's space on Tuesday nights. it's a it's a very fun time. I like to I pop in as when I can you know I, I feel like I'm a pretty good member of that of the the space. I'd say so yeah i'm not i'm not the most active i'm no uh i'm no feel yeah, like who's the most active probably logan we, i'll give some shout outs to our homies real quick uh shout out at logan's league on twitter uh great guy yeah great guy um but, uh,
1: yeah
0: uh at srs cards Max is, uh our other employer
1: other employer
0: no 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 this is a co hosting yeah. podcast here this is um, a uh, this is young, a pro fun podcast, this is pro but... fun pro collecting pro pro cards and uh we'll see we'll see everybody next week max same we time, see same place.
1: Everyone next week. Um and I'm gonna make yeah, I'm gonna be here. Yeah and I'm gonna be here.
0: Go do your shipping, dude. Go do your shipping.
1: Uh, after I study.
0: After you study. All right. Study, study study first, kids. Yes. All right. I'll see you later, dude. Peace out.